Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I think that the biggest thing is being able to know yourself well and structuring your week based on that. So I know that I'm a lot more productive in the mornings and I have more energy in the mornings and afternoon. And so I would try to do my work as early as possible, whether that was um, waking up before school to do meetings or going to the gym like before meetings or before school and then um, planning out like in a week, maybe Friday and Saturday would be my more socialized days. And I would set like friend hangouts then um, or time with like family during those times. And then Sunday would be my like work day where I did all my meetings and all my homework. And then um, throughout the weekdays too, I would separate my days between like this day's focused on schoolwork, this day's focused on extracurricular activities. And I think working that way is what worked best for me. Hey guys, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts, the podcast where we explore the inner workings of the human brain. I'm your host, Maeve Shandwag, and on today's episode, I'm here with Olivia Zhang. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So first things first, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? So my name is Olivia Zhang, and I am a freshman at Harvard intending to concentrate in economics with a possible secondary in global health and health policy. And I am a nonprofit CEO of the largest youth nonprofit aiding kids with cancer worldwide. And it's called Cancer Kids First. And through this opportunity, I've been introduced to a lot of outstanding health leaders. And so I was invited to serve on various health boards. And I also help other young people start their own nonprofits. So I engage in various nonprofit consulting. And then at Harvard, I'm a part of various business and consulting club groups. And I also um, film videos on social media to raise awareness about different societal issues and engage youth in service projects. That's so cool. So how old were you when you started the organization and what was the inspiration behind it? So I started Cancer Kids First in December of 2019 when I was 14 years old. Um, so that was my freshman year of high school and I started it because I lost two loved ones to cancer, uh, my teacher and my grandfather and both of them had embodied the philosophy of putting their students first as uh, my grandfather, he was a teacher as well. And I kind of wanted to start an organization that would honor them by modeling the philosophy of putting kids with cancer first. And that's kind of how Cancer Kids First, that name was born. And how do you think Cancer Kids First has influenced your adult life? I think it's definitely shaped everything um, in terms of my career aspirations, what I love doing and the person that I've become today. I think I've learned a lot of valuable lessons through CKF, especially from that leadership perspective of being able to interact with such diverse individuals and manage such a large team. And then also at the same time, it's definitely given me insight as to why I like business and why I like being a leader. And that's kind of what inspired me to engage in different nonprofit consulting and other business clubs here on campus, because I was able to find my passion for that through Cancer Kids First. So how old were you when you decided that economics and health was the way that you wanted to go? I would say probably around 16, 17. Um, because that is when Cancer Kids First really started growing. And I was able to see tangible impact from my work and um, at the same time explore different projects outside of Cancer Kids First that were involved in like business economics and health. Um, for instance, I was able to conduct like a research project on e econ and also 
I was invited to serve on those like health company boards and attend health conferences. And that's what really gave me the insight into what like what contributions I can make in the health field. And what are some of your hopes for the future of your nonprofit? Yeah, so I think right now what we really want to focus on is enhancing two of our programs. Um, The first one is the patient interaction program. So I really hope that we're able to unite even more youth across the world in these different Zoom events or Google Meets events with patients um, in the sense that we're able to host like and bridge that gap with social isolation through these virtual activities and bring them a community of kids who are their age who they can talk to even amidst like having to stay at the hospital and be limited in terms of friends, family, teachers that they can see, they're able to have like our community as a way to um, be social and talk to others. And then the second program um, is treatment services. So definitely enhancing our international impact and being able to help more patients in low income countries, I think is definitely the most important. So if you could go back in time and talk to your past self, what advice would you give her? Oh, that's a hard question. I think, I mean, right now I'm a big believer in the fact that everything happens for a reason. And so I think that one quote would be like what I would want to tell my younger self um, is to get her to understand that you have to like trust the process and just do your best in your current situation um, and be grateful for what you have and believe that everything is going to come to you at the right time. Yeah, that's so true. How do you think the quarantine affected your company? Oh, yeah, I would say the pandemic definitely had a big um, effect on in terms of how we had to run our programs, our volunteer, like sending out opportunities to our volunteers, etc. So with COVID-19, we had a lot of restrictions in terms of what we could send hospitals. Um, And so we adjusted a lot of our programs to be virtual, whether that was taking advantage of online platforms like Amazon to send items directly rather than doing toy and book drives. We also switched to making like digital cards and digital e-crafts instead of doing those handmade. And then that's also kind of why the program with the Zoom and the uh, Google Meets came up was because we found communication platforms that we could use to reach patients while bypassing these um, COVID-19 like regulations. So I think those were some of the ways that our service programs were adjusted. And then in terms of volunteers, we just had to figure out how to initiate nationwide and worldwide events and fundraisers through a virtual format to ensure that everybody could be involved. Um, so planning that out and finding companies who could work with us through a virtual manner, that was really important. And then also finding those communication platforms like Remind, Telegram, Slack, etc., and being able to congregate all our volunteers in one place and send out like messages to them about projects that are going on I think those were kind of like the three main big adjustments that we made yeah and earlier you were talking about how this company gave you opportunities like speaking at health boards what do you think were some of the most rewarding moments or experiences that you've had because of this role yeah that's a great question I think honestly being able to meet other like young health leaders and hear about their work and then share my personal experience and see that kind of inspire them in the same way that they're inspiring me. I would say that that's honestly been one of the most rewarding parts. Um, And at the same time, like being able to contribute to enhancing, like, for instance, like telehealth um, as one of the youngest or like the only youth 
on an adult medical board is really empowering for me and definitely allows me to see, I think, the capabilities that young people have to like contribute to um, various projects and initiatives. So I think those two are kind of the dual aspects that I find like most rewarding about like the position. And is there anything you wish you'd have done differently or did it go completely according to plan? I would say that, I mean, I honestly, again, because I believe that everything happens for a reason, I um, think that I had to go through everything that I did in order to get to where I am today. Um, But of course, like if I were able to go back and change some things, there are so many different like lessons that I was able to learn from the experience. And so one of them would be that I just wish I selected, I think, leadership team members who are not necessarily I didn't select them like because I was friends with them but rather because of their skill sets and that was a big challenge that I had to go through um, especially in the beginning stages of Cancer Kids First was figuring out how to separate my professional and friendship life um, and dealing with you know if your friend is serving on your leadership team how you're going to confront them about them maybe not doing their work efficiently um, when you have that like friendship and you could possibly like hurt that because of the work aspect of things. So I think now being able to realize that I need to select members um, based on their capabilities and qualifications, not just because I knew them, that was something that I definitely, I think if I knew or realized before, it could have streamlined the process with Cancer Kids First uh, much better in terms of our growth, our service programs, et cetera. But at the end of the day, again, I really think that I had to like learn that lesson myself in order to get to where we are today. So bringing the conversation to high school specifically, what were some steps you took in high school that influenced where you are today? I would say that in terms of Harvard, um, I mean, I think a big part was just understanding myself and my strengths really well and then pursuing activities and projects that were meaningful to me and also fit those strengths. So as I kind of mentioned before, um, health and business is my two, I think, core like focuses. And I really like the intersection between them in combination with community service. And so upon realizing this, um, I was able to pursue a lot of different activities like nonprofit consulting, serving on health boards, serving on nonprofit boards, um, conducting different research projects, competing in different business competitions, et cetera. So a lot of those activities that I pursued throughout high school, they all kind of fit my strengths and they built up a spike in a sense. Um, And I think that is definitely what, I guess, made me stand out um, in terms of like college admissions. Yeah. What extracurriculars and electives did you take? Yeah, so um, I kind of just already mentioned some of them, but some other ones I didn't mention was um, I was student body president. And then I also was a part of a swim team, which I don't think was too important, but um, I've swum like my entire life. So swim team was also another extracurricular. Um, I was president of a financial literacy and business club at my school. And then I was a part of DECA, National Honor Society, things like that. But they weren't really, I think, at the forefront. I focused just mainly on my nonprofit work and then the different boards that I served on. Um, I also did different summer programs like the Wharton Leadership in the Business World program, as well as the Bank of America Student Leaders program. And those were really, really great 
immersive experiences that I did over the summer that I think um, taught me a lot in terms of change making, innovation, creating a company, etc. And then in terms of electives, I would say that most of them, I tried to take the most rigorous courses I could in the subjects that I enjoyed. So I'm much more of a humanities student. Um, so I took a lot of AP classes in the humanities slash like econ field. So I took AP macro micro, um, AP psych, I took AP Chinese, um, all the AP like government courses and AP English courses. And then I also took some electives in relation to business. Like I took um, intro to marketing. And then also we have a class at my school called entrepreneurship. So I took that as well. So it all aligned perfectly for you. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely um, I was able to like figure out what I enjoyed and take classes that definitely like fit that. And were there any awards that you think helped you get into Ivy Leagues? Yeah, so I took or I, I guess competed in um, some or one business competition through DECA. And so that was an award that I submitted. Um, I was always a big writer throughout high school. So I won quite a few like local and national awards. And then the Scholastic Gold Medal, that was an award that I put um, on my Common App as well as Harvard has a global essay contest. That one I didn't submit in my Common App, but that was like a, another award that I won. And then um, I did enter a bunch of art contests as well because I really liked art and I did that growing up. But those I also did not submit on my Common App, um, but I did enter those. And then the ones that I think made the biggest difference in my application were probably um, my leadership kind of service related awards. So I won the Diana Award, which is the most prestigious social impact accolade that a young person can get worldwide. Um, so that was such a cool experience. And then I also was named a world's top patient leader. And I was the youngest one in history to be named that um, by Wego Health, which is a health conference and health company that I was a part of. And then I also um, won various scholarships. And then I was also a national merit winner as well as um there's a Cameron Impact scholarship that gives like a full ride to universities and I was a finalist for that so I included that on there but yeah I would definitely say that I think a lot of the leadership and service awards that I won um contributed probably most to my application but as a whole I tried to like enter various competitions that I thought um were interesting and pursued like hobbies that I enjoyed like writing art etc even if those two things weren't necessarily on my activities list yeah and how did you balance your social life while running this big company and doing all this extra stuff yeah so that's a great question um I think that the biggest thing is being able to know yourself well and structuring your week based on that so I know that I'm a lot more productive in the mornings and I have more energy in the mornings and afternoon and so I would try to do my work as early as possible, whether that was um, waking up before school to do meetings or going to the gym like before meetings or before school and then um, planning out like in a week, maybe Friday and Saturday would be my more socialized days. And I would set like friend hangouts then um, or time with like family during those times. And then Sunday would be my like work day where I did all my meetings and all my homework. And then um, throughout the weekdays, too, I would separate 
my days between like this day's focused on schoolwork, this day's focused on extracurricular activities. And I think working that way is what worked best for me, just because that is what my work habits and I guess personality fit. Um, and also just implementing time management techniques was really helpful in ensuring that I got everything done. So planners, um, setting time limits on social media apps, um, time blocking is a technique that I use where essentially you set a timer and you allocate like X amount of time towards one specific task. So for instance, I have one hour to finish all my math homework. And I think for me, seeing the timer like ticking down, that forces myself to not get distracted and be productive and finish the task efficiently. So that's another method that I use a lot throughout high school, um, as well as just understanding that sometimes when I was feeling like burnt out or tired, I needed a break. And what brought me energy and um, joy again was like hanging out with my friends. So kind of scheduling like social time during those times, I think, were was a big way in how I was able to like balance everything. That's so cool. And regarding high school, what were some of your favorite classes to take? Ooh, okay, so I would definitely say AP Macro Micro. My teacher is amazing, or he was amazing. Um, he actually, like, I'm taking an intro to econ class right now at Harvard, and I honestly feel like my high school teacher was so much better, and so I just love that class so much. He was definitely the reason why I got into economics. Um, and I just found it so interesting to be able to apply economics to different subjects in school, whether that was like history or English, you can see economics in every part of life, I think. So that's why I really, really like the class. And then another class I particularly, particularly enjoyed was my AP physics class. Um, so actually, as I mentioned before, I'm not really much of a humanities person. And I took AP physics because everybody told me it was difficult. And I was like, okay, well, if they think it's hard, I'm going to take it and prove them all wrong. Um, and so that was the class that I tacked on senior year because I wanted to make make it like a challenge, I guess, to see if I could actually do well in the class. Um, and so that was the first time that I think I really adopted like a growth mindset because originally I had confined myself to, oh, like I'm not a STEM person, so I'm not going to do well in this class at all. But being able to continuously fail and then like, retry and learn um that's what made that class so rewarding and my teachers she had us graph out all our unit exams from the very beginning to the end and so being able to graph and see my progress I think was amazing and um at the same time that class was very big on real world applications which I kind of mentioned I enjoyed um in the AP macro micro class and so being able to like do experiments to find out why a physics equation like looks like why how it is um, that was just really great, I think, to be able to, like, interact with real-world objects and model that out. So when it comes to college applications and the essay portion specifically, what were some things you avoided? And what do you think makes a common app essay effective? Yeah, so I think something that I avoided was I actually struggled for a pretty long time with my common app essay between um, two two topics. So one that and the one I ended up submitting was primarily about just my leadership journey and um, a little bit about like Cancer Kids First, but I tied like a different symbol to that. 
And so that one was probably like my favorite essay just because Cancer is First means a lot to me and I wanted to be able to express that. But I had received like feedback from um, admission officers that like came to our school to read over essays that like that was a little bit too cliche and it was more better used for like a scholarship essay. And because I already wrote about Cancer is First in my activities list, like I shouldn't center my Common App essay around that. And so I think definitely just avoiding um too many people's opinion and at the end of the day like definitely seeking feedback from professionals is important but at the end of the day like trusting yourself and knowing that you should submit as your common app like what you think represents you as a person the best um and what represents your growth throughout high school the best because at the end of the day like that is what the common app is supposed to be for colleges and then in terms of i think what makes an effective common app essay is Number one, like being able to highlight growth throughout your Common App. So I think people fall into the trap of when they write about obstacles, they focus too much on like their failures and not enough. Um, They don't leave like enough space for the reflection part of it. And I think that is what colleges want to see, that you're able to like fail at certain things or make mistakes. And then you're able to like learn and grow from that. So I think just including a growth aspect in everybody's like Common App essay is really important. And then um, number two is showcasing values or things that are important to you so the college essay guy is a website slash like person I guess that I use to help with like brainstorming my common app and eventually like revising and editing my common app because um, the college essay guy on the website he has a lot of free resources on things to keep in mind when you're writing your essay and he has this like values exercise and essentially throughout your essay um a good common app or most strong common apps, they should, when you read it, be able to highlight around at least like three values of you that mean a lot to you, whether that's like perseverance. Um, so it can be implicit or explicit, like directly stating those values, like perseverance, um, determination, positivity, etc. So these are all traits that you can include. So I think effective common apps definitely showcase to admission officers the type of person that you are. And then those values Um, or when I was talking about like events, like maybe a person has really made an impact on your life or one of your extracurriculars has kind of like minded um, or like an object even in your life, like a stuffed animal made some huge impact. Being able to like tell that story to admission officers can be really effective in allowing them to understand you as a person. So I think that those are kind of the main, I guess, like strategies to make a common app effective as well as just making it a story in a sense. Um, I think painting a picture and painting um, your life, like for admission officers, being able to set them in the scene, that is what gets AOs like excited about reading an essay. Yeah, and you knew this from a very young age. You knew what you were interested in, and I think that made it easier for you to portray the story that aligns with both health and economics. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that I was definitely very lucky to have found um, what I enjoyed based on the activities that I did but it definitely I think also took like this is what I recommend for a lot of um, high school students is to like sit down and analyze all the activities that you're a part of and outside of just activities like the things in life in general that make you happy and seeing if you can find like commonalities between them because I was very like especially during COVID-19 when we were all in quarantine, I did a lot of like reflection 
because I think that journaling and reflecting is really important to grow. And so that was something that I really honed in on like sophomore year. And that's, I think, how I figured out like what I enjoyed doing and what I want to do eventually in the future. So that's like my biggest recommendation, honestly, for all high school students is to take the time to sit back and reflect on all of that. Yeah, and that can be really helpful, especially if you don't know exactly what you want to do. Yeah, I would say definitely do not be afraid. I think that is the biggest thing that I was worried about. And also a bunch of young people um, who have approached me about nonprofits, what they're scared about is just because their age, they feel like would put them at a disadvantage in terms of um, knowing how to file all the legal forms, like reaching out to hospitals, organizations, companies, et cetera, for partnerships. But I would definitely just say that it's important to understand like your strengths and utilize them and communicate them effectively as well as like your passion for whatever nonprofit you're starting. Um, And if you do that, like adults will trust and believe in you and want to work with you. And also to not be hesitant to reach out to people for help, whether that's like another nonprofit CEO who has a lot of expertise, or maybe it's a professional in the field that you want to go into, literally like cold emailing or messaging them on social media that can, um, get you a really great mentor and so I think understanding that and not being afraid of that obstacle is like my biggest piece of advice just starting out. So nonprofit wise what advice would you give to someone who wanted to start their own organization? Yeah I would say definitely do not be afraid. I think that is the biggest thing that I was worried about and also bunch of young people um, who have approached me about nonprofits, what they're scared about is just because their age, they feel like would put them at a disadvantage in terms of um, knowing how to file all the legal forms, like reaching out to hospitals, organizations, companies, et cetera, for partnerships. But I would definitely just say that it's important to understand like your strengths and utilize them and communicate them effectively, as well as like your passion for whatever nonprofit you're starting. Um, And if you do that, like adults will trust and believe in you and want to work with you. And also to not be hesitant to reach out to people for help, whether that's like another nonprofit CEO who has a lot of expertise, or maybe it's a professional in the field that you want to go into, literally like cold emailing or messaging them on social media that can um, get you a really great mentor. And so I think understanding that and not being afraid of that obstacle is like my biggest piece of advice just starting out. And how should a person go about getting followers for their business? Yeah, so I think, I mean, the biggest way that like Hands Reads First was able to increase their following was um, me and my social media team, we did a lot of in-depth research on TikTok and Instagram algorithms. So that includes like the trends that were going on during the time period, the sounds, the lighting, how that all played a role, as well as like what is the best time to post, how to market our brand to our target demographic, which was high school students. Um, and so being able to sit down with a team and analyze all of that, as well as bringing in experience like social media directors, I think that is a big way that you can grow your social media following. Um, once you start like posting videos consistently and posting them at accurate times and filming good quality videos. And then also something that I've always recommended to young people is that um, there's other a lot of other youth led like community groups, community like Instagram pages, etc, that you can follow and you can just ask them for like a shout out for shout out. And then 
reach like their audience members um and so you can also gain following just by doing that and collaborating with other like youth-led organizations and you started this from a very young age so did you ever have to sacrifice anything for the sake of your nonprofit? yeah i mean i would definitely say i think time was one of them um and at times i guess the presence of like being in high school I think the nonprofit, in both good and bad ways it forced me to like grow up really quickly and I started attending a lot of events and getting travel opportunities because of it which is awesome but that also meant like skipping out on high school things like um, I guess like football games or dances like etc so I think that is something that I guess I had to like learn to balance and also give up sometimes um in addition to the fact that when you start an organization and you I think gain like a platform you have to be essentially like a role model for others and so again that ties back to how I had to kind of like grow up really quickly and learn how to I think vocalize like my thoughts and um learn how to best like present myself to others when there are people who like watch the things that I do so I would say that that is kind of I guess something that I had to give up but overall I feel like I again I'm so grateful for where I am today and I feel like I've gotten a lot of opportunities that other kids my age would not have been given and so I definitely just want to be able to learn and grow from those experiences yeah and we've come to the final question of today's episode. Was Harvard really your dream school? It actually was not. Um, Harvard, I never, I never really thought about because I was like, there's no way I'm going to get in. Um, and so it was kind of, I would say that I would call it my like intangible dream school, if that makes sense. So it was always like, oh, like it'd be such a cool thing and a dream to go there. But like, there's no way that's going to happen. So I'm not going to think about it. Um, but Stanford was actually like my dream school because my role model, Sophia Kiani, who you guys should all search her up if you guys don't know who she is. Um, she is amazing and she came from my area. And so I like watched her work just growing up. And then she eventually went off to Stanford and Stanford gave her a lot of resources and a platform that she was able to really, really utilize to advance like the social impact work that she's doing, which is what I also want to do in the future. And so because of that, I think I idealized like Stanford so much. And definitely when I stepped onto Stanford's campus, it was just absolutely like breathtaking. It's like going to school at like a five-star resort. Like that's kind of what it feels like. Um, but at the end of the day, I chose Harvard just because I think again, because I idealized like Stanford a little bit too much. Um, I never really got to appreciate like all the things that I really like about Harvard's campus, was, which is the fact that it's like a city campus, but also there's obviously like that homey, like suburban feel because of the fact that it has an actual campus. And I don't know, like going to the different admitted student days, I just felt the most like hopeful about my future at Harvard and it just felt like the most right. Um, but I remember like when I was deciding between Harvard and Stanford, I really was 50 50 because I was sitting on a plane ride and my friend next to me I had made at Stanford so he was obviously like spouting all the positives about Stanford and then my mom who has always been 
pro Harvard, she was like spouting like Harvard statistics to the left side of me. And I got so overwhelmed. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going to just spin a, a spinner. And then whatever the spinner lands on, that's the school I'm going to go to. And then it landed on Stanford. And I really wish that I landed on Harvard. And so that's kind of how I knew. No, I totally get that. Um, I'm not anywhere near having to decide what colleges I want to go to, but last year a lot of people in my grade started watching Gilmore Girls, and the main character Rory went to Yale, and so everyone started to romanticize Yale and its campus, but like you said, it all comes down to what you're really into. Yeah, definitely. I think it was just because I loved like the role model so much, I was like, oh, like this is going to be the only place for me. And that's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the end. Don't forget, I post every other Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And if you aren't already following the Instagram, it's at a pennyforyourthoughts.show. And if you want to help even further, please rate the show. You don't know how much it helps. This episode was so much fun. Thank you so much for being here. Bye! Bye.